0: Hi everyone, welcome to episode 10 of Sam Explaining Science. I'm Sam, I'm your host, I'll be Sam Splaining the Science. Today is International Women's Day. Woo woo! We're gonna talk about some super cool badass ladies of science in today's episode. So let's get into it. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all doing well. I hope your week has been off to a good start. A few things before we jump into the episode today. First, I made it to 10 episodes. Who thought we would make it to this point? Show of hands. No one? No? Yeah, me either. Um, (laughs) I definitely thought that I would lose steam by episode four, but... I kept on keeping on, and here we are, episode 10. So now that I've shown to myself and also to you all listening that I'm not a total flake, I've invested a bit more into this podcast now. I updated my mic from the crappy little USB mic that I bought at Target for $25, and I bought a real microphone with a real like audio system thing. So hopefully it no longer sounds like I'm recording under the sea. Hopefully it's a little bit easier on the ears for you. Um, I feel very official, so at least there's that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just want to thank you all so much for the encouragement on the first first 12. Sam, you're getting ahead of yourself here. (laughs) We haven't made it to 12 yet. But I want to thank you all for the encouragement on the first 10 episodes um, I'm looking forward to many more and adding some more really cool updates to this podcast along the way. So, thank you all again so much. I appreciate your listening and tuning in, and I hope you're enjoying it. Okay, now on to today's main event, which is, drum roll, Happy International Women's Day! If you're listening to this when it comes out on March 8th, then today is International Women's Day. If you are not, then you owe me an apology because why are you late? I'm just kidding. Um, But if you missed International Women's Day, if you're listening to this after March 8th, don't fret. Don't worry because actually the entire month of March is Women's History Month. So you didn't lose your opportunity to support and respect women. You should be doing this every day, but for the month of March, it's mandatory, all right? Okay. So in honor of International Women's Day and Women's History Month, um, I thought that we would focus today's question on women in science. So I actually didn't write down a question. But that's usually how we start these episodes, right, is with, like, science questions. Um, But I guess today's question is just, like, who are... Sam, if you had to choose four random women in science off the top of your head, who would they be? What are their backgrounds? What did they accomplish? What were their impacts, et cetera? That's today's question. Um, (laughs) So for today's episode, we're going to highlight four women of (laughs) science... Not silence. They were not silent. Let me tell you that. Um, we're going to highlight four women of science who totally changed the game. Not just in terms of like their respective fields, but also when it comes to blazing the trail for other women in their fields as well. So the first woman we're going to talk about today is me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> jokes, 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 jokes. No. Um, but for a few years ago now, I had a women in science calendar and each month was, uh, like it highlighted a different woman of science. So for today's episode, I chose four of those 12 women to talk about. If you're interested in seeing the other eight, you can scroll through my personal Instagram at samarzano I think it was in 2019, so you can scroll back. It's not that far. I don't post that much. Um, But you can check it out on my personal Instagram, at Sam Rosano if you want to see the remaining eight women in science highlights from that calendar. Cool. All right, so let's get started with the first one. I have to burp. No, I don't. Do I? Yeah, I did. Okay. All right. You might be saying, Sam, that's gross. That's not ladylike. It's International Women's Day. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) First up, we have Miss, not Miss, Madam Marie Curie. Chronologically, she is the first of the four women that we're going to be talking about today. Madame Curie was a physicist and chemist, born in eighteen sixty-seven in Poland. Fun fact: she was born Maria, but later changed her name to to Marie. Which double fun fact is my middle name? Um, that part doesn't really matter so much. Okay, um, Madame Curie, she had four siblings. And unfortunately, her mother passed away relatively early in life, and her father had difficulties supporting all five children, which prevented Marie from getting a higher education. However, in 19, mm-mm, 1891, <laughs> I wrote 1981, that would have been miraculous. Um, in 1891, Her sister offered her an opportunity to move to Paris with her, and with that opportunity came the opportunity to go to university. So in Paris, Marie attended Sorbonne, apologies to the French, uh, Sorbonne University, where she studied physics and math. In 1894, she met a man named Pierre Curie, who was a scientist who was also working in Paris. And they fell in love. They did. And soon after that, they became a radioactivity power couple. For real. Together, Marie and Pierre worked to continue developing a recent discovery by another scientist by the name of Henri Becquerel, in which Becquerel had shown that uranium gives off energy rays that can pass through solid matter, fog, film, but couldn't be seen. And these energy rays are what we know today as radioactivity. From continuing this work, Marie and Pierre eventually discovered the radioactive elements of polonium, which is the 84th element on the periodic table, and radium, which is the 88th element on the periodic table. Marie and Pierre Curie, along with Henri Becquerel, all won the combined Nobel Prize in 1903 for their discovery and classification of radioactivity. Also in 1903, Marie finished her PhD in physics, so just casually defending a PhD thesis while also scooping up a Nobel Prize. No big deal. Marie said, easy, no problem, absolutely. And for that, we salute her, and we, we hail to Marie, because who else could do that? Just Marie. That's it. <laughs> um, oh, I shouldn't have made a joke, because now this is a sad part. Three years later, in 1906, Pierre passed away. Um, sorry to spring that on you. I should have had a better transition there. Um, But that's life. You know, sometimes sad things happen after funny things happen. So, life lesson for you. Um, but in 1906, Pierre passed away, um, in a horse and buggy accident, which left Marie to raise their two daughters, Irene and Eve. But after Pierre's passing, Marie stayed strong as she is, was, she's also dead now, um, she took over as chair of professor at the Sorbonne University that Pierre had been appointed to until he died. And then he, she also continued carrying out Pierre's lectures in his place after he died. So her dedication to science is unwavering. It knows no bounds. In 1911, Marie won another Nobel Prize... Because since 1903, she had also created a way to measure radioactivity. And fun fact, is this fun fact number three of the episode? Wow. This is a fun episode already. Um, But fun fact, to this day, radioactivity is still measured in units of curies, also becquerels. Like inches and centimeters, both measure distance. Curie's and Becquerel's both measure radioactivity levels. Um, So yeah, she won a Nobel Prize because she, another Nobel Prize because she found a way to measure radioactivity. Um, Being that Marie was among the first to work with radioactivity, she was also the first to discover radiation poisoning and other very harmful effects of radioactivity. Um, She passed away in 1934 at the age of 66 from aplastic pernicious anemia, um, which is believed to be caused by uh, her radiation exposure. Her hard work in this field, though, brought about so many discoveries, including the use of radium as a cancer treatment. Um, So I'd like to take this. Episode, this quarter of the episode, to thank Madame Curie for her groundbreaking discoveries and her unwavering, unwavering passion for science um, and for doing things that to this day have impacted the world of science as we know it. So thank you, Madame Curie. Who's next? Ah, uh, yes. Another scientist that was featured in my Women in Science calendar is Katherine Johnson. This name might sound familiar if you've ever seen the movie Hidden Figures. Um, this was a movie about the role of Katherine Johnson, Mary Jackson, and Dorothy Vaughn, who were three black women working at NASA. They were physicists and mathematicians who did the trajectory calculations at NASA, that helped them create the path for the first manned mission to the moon in 1969. The calendar only um, highlighted Catherine for some reason. Not that Mary and Dorothy didn't do incredible work, but today we're just going to talk about Catherine. Um, but we do acknowledge Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughn for all that they've done um, in, in revolutionizing space travel, and their work is not... Uh, For nothing, absolutely. Um, But yeah, focusing on Catherine. Catherine Johnson was born in 1918 in West Virginia. She grew up being super smart and very curious, and she had a love of numbers and math. Um, She was so smart that she actually skipped a few grades and got to high school at the age of 13 and started college at the age of 18 where she went to West Virginia State College. While at West Virginia State College, she was mentored by W.W. Shifflin Clater. I'm sorry, that was bad pronunciation. Um, but Dr. Clayter was the third African-American to earn a PhD in math. And he was Catherine's mentor during college. In 1937, she graduated college with highest honors, and after graduating, she got a job as a teacher at a black public school in Virginia. Two years later, Catherine was nominated by the president of West Virginia State College as one of three black students and the only black woman to integrate the graduate school at West Virginia State College. There, she briefly attended to study math before she left the school and returned to teaching. Um, This was after she got married and had three daughters. In 1953, she started working at the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics, or NACA, which has since become NASA. Um, And she started this job after being encouraged by a relative to chase this opportunity to work at NACA. And here she worked as a computer, which was a job back in the day, not a piece of technology. Um, But she worked as a computer in the all-black West Area computing section at the Langley Laboratory at NACA. As part of this job, she would analyze flight test data for a group of engineers And that was sort of just the beginning for her and her work and accomplishments at NASA. She later joined teams um, that were responsible for, like I mentioned, computing the trajectories that got people to the moon in 1969. Um, So after years and years of persistence and hard work at NASA, Catherine made her way from a computer to co-author of NASA research papers Um, and contributing to many other NASA missions, including trips to Mercury and Mars. Um, But not Venus, though, so I don't know really how impressive that is. Just kidding, obviously. She is a legend, an icon, a space queen, if you will, a math queen. She never went to space, but she got people there. She got people there safely, which... Might I mention, was a very, very, very difficult thing to do in the 1960s and before that in the 1950s. Um, I think that's why they're, you know, Katherine Johnson and Mary Jackson and Dorothy Vaughn, their contributions are so huge, right? Because it's just, it's not easy. It's a very difficult thing to do. And in the face of adversity, they did it. And we appreciate them so much for it. Their resumes are stacked with accomplishments that scientists today only wish they could do. And by scientists today, I mean me. I wish that I could do that, but I can't. Um, But yeah, just incredible, amazing, groundbreaking work. Sadly, Katherine Johnson passed away in February of 2020, but she was 101 when she passed away. So she led a long, successful, accomplished life. And her curiosity and her love of numbers and her persistence through adversity changed the way that we think about our universe. That's not being dramatic, it's true. (laughs) Um, It really did change the way we see our world forever. So thank you very much, Catherine, for being... Honk if you love Catherine Johnson! Let's go! Um, Thank you very much, Catherine Johnson, for being a trailblazer, an inspiration, just an all-around icon. That's someone we can all look up to, absolutely. Okay, who's next? Next is Dr. The Infamous... Jane Goodall. Jane was born in 1934 in England. Um, She still resides in England to this day. Uh, She's a primatologist, an ethologist, and an anthropologist who is best known for her work living with and observing chimpanzees in the Gombe Forest, which is in what is now Tanzania. There, she documented the behaviors of chimpanzees that she cohabited with. From her studies, she discovered that chimps have a lot of similarities to how we as humans interact with one another and interact with the world around us. She described how chimps make tools with resources around them and how chimps communicate with each other within their communities and there's sort of like a social hierarchy of these chimpanzee communities. She saw that their relationships in these groups and families uh these chimps had feelings just like we do, right? And they care for their young just like we do and they mourn the loss of a community member just like humans do. Um, and this is all because she picked up her life in England and moved to the Gombe desert to live among the chimpanzees, to study them and to learn about them and really immerse herself in the science of it. Um, she did that by the way, at the age of 26. Since then, um, she's made a huge impact in the world. Uh, focusing on preservation of natural habitats of chimpanzees and other animals. Dr. Goodall has taken uh, a stand against deforestation, which ruins the habitats of chimpanzees and so many other creatures. And she also founded the Jane Goodall Institute, which is linked in the sources below. Um, oh, I forgot to mention, there are sources below where I'm getting all of this information, um, so check them out as always. In case you didn't already assume, that I would cite my sources. Of course I did. Um, But the link below uh, for uh, Jane Goodall is for the Jane Goodall Institute. Um, And this institute aims to protect our climate and our planet by thinking globally, but acting locally. So if we each put in effort within our own communities to take care of our environments, the world will heal in each area, if we're all pulling our, pulling our own weight. Um, and it'll just make the world a better, healthier place. Um, and Jane Goodall, she also works to promote the ethical study of animals and the ethical use of animals in research. I just really love Jane Goodall, to be honest. I watched a documentary about her a few years ago. Um, And I mentioned she didn't start studying chimps until she was 26. She didn't start until she was 26. And it took years after that for her to make the discoveries and become the scientist and the icon that she is. Um, And not to mention the impact that she's had in the years and the decades since that. So for me, watching that documentary in my mid-20s made me feel a lot better about myself and my timeline because I don't know about you. I don't know how old you are listener, but in my mid twenties, I felt a lot of stress about like, what am I doing? What's my timeline? Am I like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I on the right track? And it's like Jane Goodall, you say Jane Goodall, everybody knows exactly what she does. And she didn't even get her start until her mid twenties, you know? So it just kind of gave me some peace of like, Oh, I don't have to have it all figured out by 24, or, you know, there's still time. Don't stress about it. Um, But yeah, that was one thing that really resonated with me, because I think I, I watched the documentary when I was 26, and I was like, wow, okay, she just started when she was my age, and look at her now, a true icon. So there's still time. Don't worry, listener. Who am I, dear Abby? Come on, <laughs> is that um, is that just a New York thing? Dear Abby's like an advice column. Was that just a Newsday thing? Um. Anyway, okay, back to Jane. To this day, at the age of eighty-seven, Jane is still working hard to fight for environmental preservation and environmental justice, um, and just all around being an incredible. Force. So, thank you very much, Jane, Dr. Jane Goodall, for all that you've done and continue to do to inspire others to help make our world a better place. The final woman scientist I want to highlight today is Dr. Sao Lan Wu. She is a physicist. Um, so, what that means is that I have no idea what she does, if I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of buzzwords in here. Don't ask me what they mean. She's way smarter than I am. She's way more accomplished than I'll ever be. So that's why this episode's about her. That's why she's in this episode, and I'm just talking about her, right? I know my place. Okay. Um, so Dr. Sal Lan Wu, she is a Chinese American. She was born in Hong Kong in the 1940s. Um, and after she finished secondary school in Hong Kong, her mother occurred her mother, who did not know how to read or write, encouraged her to follow her dreams of continuing her education. Um, So Dr. Wu tried to apply to 50 schools in the US, but one of the only opportunities she was given was to attend Vassar College on a full scholarship. Um, So her father paid for her travels from Hong Kong to New York um, so that she could attend Vassar College. She graduated um, with high honors three years after starting at Vassar college. And after that, she went to Harvard to pursue her PhD in physics. She was the only woman at Harvard accepted in her area of study that year. So casual, tell me you're a woman in science without telling me you're a woman in science. Am I right? (laughs) Um, no, but seriously, she graduated with her PhD in 1970 and then she went to MIT as an associate researcher and also worked with teams at Brookhaven National Labs, with whom she helped discover the charm quark, which is uh, a quark is something that makes up subatomic particles, obviously. I knew that. You knew that. We all knew this. This is obvious information, um, just kidding. I have no idea. Please don't ask for any further explanation from me. I can't give it to you. (laughs) I'm going to need to read a bit more to understand what a quark is. Um, a quark is something I remember learning about in like AP physics and then just completely forgot about and never thought about again until I saw that Dr. Wu, um, discovered it. So Um, I think that just says more about my stupidity and my lack of, um, physics IQ. Um, but if you're, if you're big in physics, you know how big of a deal this is. Um, to the people who know exactly what, what a quirk is, Dr. Wu is like Chris Evans, you know, they're like, Oh my God, Dr. Wu, a legend, you know? Um, (laughs) Um, yeah, but Dr. Wu has had many other critical contributions to high energy physics fields past this. She's a member of CERN, which is the European Organization for Nuclear Research. And with CERN, she helped identify the Higgs boson particle, which was another brown- groundbreaking discovery, or groundbreaking, if you're stupid. <laughs> um... No, but she helped identify the Higgs boson particle, which was groundbreaking in the field of particle physics because it's one of 17 fundamental particles. So it's like the smallest possible functional unit that builds up atoms and atoms build up things. So it's like the smallest, smallest building block that you can get. She discovered those things. Um... Or, you know, not single-handedly, but she contributed to the discovery of those things. Um, Dr. has received many awards, including Outstanding Junior Investigator Award in 1980 from the Department of Energy in the United States. She's a fellow of the American Physical Society and a fellow of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. She's also mentored more than 60 PhD students, which which is an incredible accomplishment. Um, I've never done that, but I've been a PhD student, and I know that we suck. So to mentor 60, good for her. (laughs) From my understanding, she also works at the Department of Physics at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where she's like a professor. Um, But she also still has an active appointment at CERN in Geneva. So that's just, it sounds like quite a commute is what I'll say. (laughs) Um, One more thing that I want to say about Dr. Wu, um, is she once said that she was inspired by a biography of Marie Curie to become a scientist. So this isn't something that I made up just to make this episode come full circle, but I greatly appreciate that this little fun fact, number four, five, um, of the episode, Um, But this little fun fact helps us come full circle, and I appreciate that. (laughs) Um, So not only did Dr. Wu start her career as a minority, being a woman in science, but also as an immigrant. Um, There's no way that blazing that trail was easy. But her strength and her resilience and her brilliance is and should be, but is for me, Um, an inspiration, and it should be an inspiration to everyone. So thank you, Dr. Wu, for your determination and your hard work and your contributions to things that I will never understand, but I'll try to understand. (laughs) Okay, so that's four of four Women in Science Highlights for today. But before I close out the episode, I want to share a few organizations that I'll be supporting this month in honor of Women's History Month. So the first is an organization that i followed for quite some time. It's called Girls Who Code. And this organization aims to close the gender gap in tech and change the image of what being a programmer looks like and does. Um, So this organization holds programs that are targeted for young girls. So there's third to fifth grade and then sixth to twelfth grade programs uh, to spark girls' interests and get them excited about STEM. And they worked with Doja Cat. They launched the first codable music video to the song Woman, Doja Cat. Google it. You won't regret it. Um, But you can also check out their work and donate if you're interested at girlswhocode.com. If you don't want to support women in tech, first of all, Check yourself. Why are you listening to this if you don't want to support women in STEM? Um, but if you, you know, if that's not enough for you to want to support, I'm sure Doja Cat put it over the edge. It did for me, at least. I love Doja Cat. Um, <laughs> the second organization I will be contributing to this month is Girls Start. GirlStart aims to harness innovative, nationally recognized, informal STEM education programs to encourage girls to become more interested and engaged in STEM. They hold programs including summer camps, after school programs, and at home programs to expose girls from kindergarten to 12th grade to science, technology, engineering, and math. You can check out their work and donate at girlstart.org. The third organization I'll be supporting this month doesn't have anything to do with science particularly, but it is very important to the state of the world today. You might be aware of the ongoing crisis in Ukraine, where many innocent people are being displaced from their homes due to the Russian invasion. Um, The Cooperative for American Remittances to Europe, or CARE, organization has a Ukraine crisis fund that is helping families, women, girls, and the elderly um, by giving out food, water, and hygiene kits uh, on the ground in Ukraine. You can find out more information and donate to this cause at care.org. If there are any other organizations that you know of that support women, um, in particular for Women's History Month, that you would like to share, I encourage you to connect with me either on Twitter or on Instagram um, so that I can provide that information to anyone who's following. Uh, I think it's, you know, very important to give back when we can. So I will try to do that. And if you are doing that as well, I hope you fill me in and let me know on uh, how else we can help. Okay, that's all for today's episode. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful International Women's Day. I hope you have a wonderful Women's History Month. Um, Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at SamsplainingSci. You can keep in touch there and you can ask questions. Uh, You can also submit questions at SamsplainingScience.com slash ask. So if anything ever comes to your mind of, huh, I wonder how that works, ask me. And I'll look it up and I'll Sam splain it to you. Also, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. Um, I really appreciate every review and every rating that I get. So if you're enjoying it, or even if you're not, you know, I, I value feedback of all kinds. So even if it's negative feedback, it'll help me improve the show. Um, but please do rate and review bars, by the way. Oh my God. I'm a poet and I didn't even realize. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you learned a little bit and laughed a little bit, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.